Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. I hope everyone is doing well as the year is winding down and for any of you that celebrate the holidays, I hope you have a relaxing and joyful time during this festive season. On the last episode of the show, we did Shadow Games, the second Dash Rendar story to be published, but the one that comes first chronologically. Today, it's the one that started it all for Dash, Shadows of the Empire by Steve Perry, published in 1996. But I can't just talk about the book, because Shadows of the Empire was so much more than the novel. It was a huge multimedia event. It was a book, comics, a video game, it had its own soundtrack, it had its own toy line, it even had trading cards. I would say that Shadows of the Empire was Lucasfilm's biggest event between 1997 and 2002 outside of the five movies that came out during that time. So today's podcast will be a little different than normal. The first part of the show will be pretty short. The book synopsis is going to be quick because there's so much more to talk about when it comes to Shadows of the Empire, including the content controversies. Don't worry, I'll talk about those as well. You have to. It's part of the history surrounding the project. But first, my favorite part of the show, a message from a listener. Today's message is an email from Dorian Pantoja. Dorian says, I'm a newer listener and a big fan of Star Wars and enjoying the stories you read aloud. If possible, I'd love if you would do the KOTOR series. Great work and looking forward to more stories. First off, thank you very much for the email, Dorian, and thank you so much for listening and enjoying the podcast. As far as the KOTOR series goes, I assume you're talking about the books Revan by Drew Karpishin, Deceived by Paul S. Kemp, Fatal Alliance by Sean Williams, and Annihilation also by Drew Karpishin. Funny enough, I read all of those a few months before I started to do this podcast. I owned these four books for years, but I had never read them up to that point. They were just sitting on my shelves. Then when the pandemic started and the lockdown started here in the part of the United States where I live, I decided to pass the time by finishing the Legends books that I had never read. These were the first four books I read in the summer and early fall last year. And when I was finished with them and had started reading some other things, I decided I wanted to talk to other fans of Legends about these stories. What works, what doesn't work, 
and how my opinions have either changed over time or how they've stayed the same. And my goal is to do all 176 adult and young adult legends novels, as long as this podcast stays fun. Now, if you follow the show on Twitter, you'll see the schedule of shows through the first half of 2022. And I've been working on the schedule for the rest of the year. So, Dorian, I will put the four KOTOR stories on the schedule for sometime next fall, the second half of 2022. Look for the specific dates when I post the remainder of next year's schedule, which I hope to have up on the show's Twitter page by the end of December. Once again, thank you so much for the email, Dorian. Send me a message anytime. And if anyone else has a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please contact the show. You can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Now it's time for today's book, Shadows of the Empire by Steve Perry. Grab yourself a drink and let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. As I said, today's plot summary is going to be much shorter than normal because I really want to talk about everything that surrounded the release of Shadows of the Empire way back in 1996. Our story begins on Tatooine somewhere between three and six months before Return of the Jedi. Our heroes have been waiting for Boba Fett to deliver Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt, but for some reason, Fett hasn't arrived yet. Luke Skywalker waits in Obi-Wan Kenobi's hut. He constructs a new lightsaber to replace the one he lost on Cloud City. Meanwhile, Lando puts out a message through some of his underworld contacts looking for Fett, and he gets a hit. A smuggler-slash-gun-for-hire named Dash Rendar spots Fett's ship on the planet Gaul. Lando, Leia, and Chewie pick up Luke and his X-Wing and send a message to Rogue Squadron telling them to meet our heroes at Gaul. On Coruscant, Darth Vader has a problem. The head of the Black Sun Crime Syndicate, a Falene named Prince Shizor, has Emperor Palpatine's ear. Shizor knows the Emperor has ordered Vader to capture Luke Skywalker and turn him to the dark side. But Shizor is ambitious. The Falene wants to humiliate Vader and take the Dark Lord's place at the Emperor's side. Shizor contacts Jabba the Hutt and tells Jabba to kill Skywalker if the young man arrives at Jabba's door trying to rescue Solo. Vader suspects Shizor is working to undermine Vader's position with the Emperor, but he has no proof, and he can't risk moving against one of the Emperor's new favorite confidants. At Gaul, Luke and the Rogues attack an orbiting force of Imperials while the Millennium Falcon and Dash Rendar's Outrider make for the surface in search of Boba Fett. But the mission fails. Fett escapes and jumps to hyperspace. In the aftermath of the battle, one of the Rogues' astromech droids takes control of its X-Wing and fires on Luke. He's able to avoid the attack and disable the droid, An investigation reveals that one of the technicians working on the rogue's X-Wings was paid 10,000 credits to sabotage the droid and kill Luke. They try to trace the source of the money, but the paper trail runs through a web of shadowy figures and shell companies, eventually going cold. 
Now the attack on Luke frightens Leia. She convinces Luke to return to Kenobi's hut to lay low for a while, and she pays Dash to watch over him. Meanwhile, Leia asks Lando to use some of his underworld contacts to try and find out who put the hit on Luke. They find a contact on Rhodia, who says he can reach out to the Black Sun Intelligence Network. The request makes its way up to Prince Shizor, who sends his most trusted aide, a deadly human replica droid named Guri, to bring Leia back to Coruscant. Shizor is enamored with Leia's attitude and her beauty, and the thought of romancing one of the leaders in the Rebel Alliance right in the shadow of the Imperial Palace is intoxicating for the Falene Prince. Back on Tatooine, Luke and Dash fight off one of Jabba's swoop gangs sent to kill young Skywalker. They also intercept a messenger droid meant for Leia from one of the leaders of the Bothan spy network. It claims to have vital information for the Rebel Alliance. Luke and Dash head to Bothawi to find out what. Meanwhile, we learn that the information contains the location and schematics of the second Death Star, and it was Prince Shizor that suggests to the Emperor to allow the Rebels access to the information, baiting the hook for a trap at Endor. Vader objects to the plan, but he's overruled by the Emperor. On Bothawi, Luke and Dash learn that the Empire is moving a supercomputer on an unmarked freighter. The two lead a Bothan strike force attacking the freighter, but the ship is anything but unarmed. The Bothans take heavy casualties, but the Rebels are finally able to board the freighter and escape with the computer and the Death Star plans. On Rhodia, Guri convinces Leia to return with her to Coruscant to speak with Prince Shizor. Chewie accompanies Leia while Lando is sent to find Luke and tell him to wait for her on Tatooine. On Coruscant, Prince Shizor tries to use his Falene pheromones to seduce Leia, and it almost works. Shizor has Leia's head swimming, and the two kiss, but before anything else happens, Chewie interrupts them. Back in her room, Leia realizes what has happened, that somehow... Shizor has drugged her into dropping nearly all of her inhibitions. Now that she knows exactly what's going on, Leia is able to resist Shizor's pheromones in their remaining interactions. Lando finds Luke and Dash and tells them about Leia and how she wants Luke to wait for her on Tatooine. But of course, Luke has no intentions of waiting for Leia. He's got a feeling that she's in trouble. So, they head to Coruscant, and meet Chewie in the shop of an underworld information dealer. Chewie escaped Shizor's palace to try and find help to save Leia. The four bribe a sanitation official to show them how to break into Shizor's palace from the sewers. Once inside, Luke uses the force to warn Leia that help is nearby, to be ready for when the time is right to escape. Once they're inside Shizor's palace, alarms start to scream when our heroes run into a group of guards and blaster fire erupts. Shizor and Guri send a Black Sun battle group to stop the rebels from escaping the palace, but Luke and Lando stop the fight with a pair of thermal detonators, threatening to blow the palace up. Shizor orders his men to allow the rebels free passage, but just as they leave the corridor, Lando drops the detonators into a garbage chute, causing a panic. The palace is going to explode, and everyone scatters to flee. 
Shizor escapes to his orbital skyhook as the Rebels fly off in the Millennium Falcon and the Outrider. Shizor commands his personal fighters to destroy the Rebel ships, a command intercepted by the Imperials and relayed to Darth Vader. The Dark Lord commands a squadron of TIE fighters to attack Shizor's forces. When Shizor demands that Vader call off his attack, Vader orders his Superstar Destroyer to fire on Shizor's skyhook. There's a tremendous explosion. Shizor is killed, and the Millennium Falcon escapes to hyperspace, returning to Tatooine. Unfortunately, the Outrider is hit by shrapnel from the skyhook, destroying the ship and killing Dash. Time for a break. When we return, I'll talk a little more about Shadows of the Empire, and believe me, there's a lot to talk about. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to take a moment and recommend a book from Star Wars canon. Heir to the Jedi tells the story of Luke Skywalker after the destruction of the first Death Star. Luke's already a phenomenal pilot, but he's a long way from mastering the Force. And now, he's been ordered to carry out a daring rescue mission. Can the burgeoning Jedi complete his mission while still continuing to grow in the Force? Find out in Heir to the Jedi by Kevin Hearn. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today I'm talking about Shadows of the Empire by Steve Perry. As I said at the beginning of the show, Shadows of the Empire was much more than a novel. It was a multimedia event created by Lucasfilm in 1996. It contained the novel, a comic book series, a video game, trading cards, a soundtrack, a toy line, and an audio drama. And if you wanted to get the entire story about Dash Rendar and the rebels trying to hunt down Boba Fett and retrieve Han Solo from Carbonite, you had to dive into all of these different forms of media. Not everything is in the novel that I just talked about. If you read the comic series, a lot of that focuses on Boba Fett and his issues in trying to get Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt. Fett is constantly attacked by other bounty hunters. Zuckus and Forlom are in that one, as is Bosk and IG-88. The video game includes some of Dash Rendar's story where that actually started during the Battle of Hoth, all the way back in Empire Strikes Back. And there is even a set of comic books that tie in to Shadows of the Empire that let you know that Dash actually survived when Shizor Skyhook blows up. From what you read in the novel, a piece of shrapnel slams into the Outrider and blows it up. However, the comic shows that he jumps to hyperspace just before the piece of debris hits the Outrider and it hits something else causing the explosion. Dash is then never seen again by the Rebellion. There are hints, or there are stories of Dash 
throughout the galaxy, and even all the way up through the Yuuzhan Vong War, much later in the Legends timeline, there are talks about sightings of Dash Rendar. However, as far as I'm concerned, because I haven't read any of those stories, to me, Dash Rendar died when the Skyhook blew up. Now, let's talk about the multimedia event as a whole. Why did it come about? Well, the intent for the Shadows of the Empire event was for Lucasfilm to gauge the popularity of different media. This was called the movie project without the movie. It was to try to see how much the fans would be willing to purchase in order to get the entirety of a story. And it was pretty successful. The book is one of the highest selling in the Legends timeline. The video game that came out first on N64 in 1996 and then later in 1997 came out for PC was a pretty successful seller. Now, early reviews of the video game were not good. And I've told you before, I'm not much of a video game player. However, I did have the N64 Shadows of the Empire. I've played that game. I actually beat that game. One of the very few video games that I've ever beaten. And I would agree. It is not a very good game. There are eight levels, nine levels, something like that. The two levels at the beginning and the end are by far the most fun to play. The first level is Dash taking part in the Battle of Hoth. You get to fly a snowspeeder. You get to use your tow cables to trip the at-at walkers. The final board is a little different. Dash flies into the skyhook in order to destroy it, but then he has to try to get out before it explodes, and you can never get out before it explodes. However, the ending of the video game is a little ambiguous. It leaves it open-ended as to whether Dash could have survived that. So those boards are really fun. The controls of the video game using the Snowspeeder or the Outrider are pretty fun. There is a level in the middle where you're on the Outrider flying through the Hoth asteroid belt that isn't as good as the first or last levels, but it's still better than the levels where you play as Dash himself. I think the reason the video game, specifically on the N64 console, is, you know, poo-pooed a little bit, are the controls. It is extremely difficult to control Dash as you're running around and trying to shoot people. I don't know if those controls got any better with the release of the PC version in 1997. However, the sale of the video game was a success. The sale of the book, of course, was a success. Even though there are the scenes between Shizor and Leia where he is trying to seduce her. But he's not really trying to seduce her. He is 
using his falling pheromones to obviously try to influence her into a compromising situation. Um, I was 18 when the book came out. I read it as soon as it came out. And I remember there were some folks that had issues with these scenes at that time in 96. Reading it now 25 years later, and I know some people have just discovered the book in the last five years, these scenes now are pretty controversial. I would say that Shadows of the Empire was a product of its time in 1996. Not to excuse these types of scenes, but just the fact that they were more prevalent or they weren't examined in quite the same lens that they would be examined now. Because of that, I don't think Shadows of the Empire ages very well. This isn't a story that you're going to say is timeless. It is definitely a product of its time. That doesn't mean the story as a whole is bad. In fact, it contains a lot of the things that I like in a Star Wars story. It is fast-paced. When I went over the synopsis, I left out so many things that happen in this book. There are times where, honestly, even for me, the book might be a little too fast-paced. It just goes from event to event to event to event. And every so often, I would like the book to kind of stop and take a breath. Just take a moment. Let the characters discuss what is happening, what their plans are, and then go about implementing those. But in Shadows of the Empire, you just move from scene to scene to scene to scene. There's no, it takes a few days in hyperspace to get someplace. You just say, we're going to Gaul. The next scene, you're at Gaul. We're going to Rhodia. The next scene, you're at Rhodia. Guri picks up Leia on Rhodia. The next scene, they're on Coruscant. So, while I like more fast-paced Star Wars, there are parts of the book that are just a little too fast-paced, even for me. However, that's just a minor nitpick. I know the part of the book most people remember is Dash Rendar himself. And for those of you that listened to my previous episode about Shadow Games, I called Dash Rendar Han Solo on steroids. I was one of the people in 1996 that had issues with Dash Rendar because I thought they made a caricature of Han Solo in order to have a Han Solo type character in the story. Dash is brash. Dash is conceited. Dash thinks he's the galaxy's gift to women. But being Han Solo on steroids, Dash doesn't really have the conscience that Han does. Anyway, as I said last week, I think Dash's character 
is better in Shadow Games. He actually feels more like his own character. And maybe that's because he's the main character of the book. He is not the main character of Shadows of the Empire. He is in a much more supporting role. He's honestly not in the book as much as you would expect him to be. But in the scenes in which he is in there, he's not my favorite. I wish Steve Perry would have toned him down some. As far as Shadows of the Empire, on the whole, it's a must-read in the Legends storyline. It is the largest multimedia event that Lucasfilm had outside of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy until the Force Unleashed multimedia event in 2007. I would say that one was bigger than Shadows of the Empire. And Shadows wasn't the first multimedia event that Lucasfilm tried, but up to that point, it was by far the largest. As far as whether anything in Shadows could be made canon, the story can't because there have been two stories that have happened since the Disney merger that take place between Empire and Jedi that contradict a few things in Shadows of the Empire. But there are some things in Shadows that are canon. The Falling Species is canon. They have been shown in the Clone Wars animated show. I don't know if Prince Shizor is canon or not. In the final season of the Clone Wars animated show, there is a scene where Maul is talking to the heads of a bunch of criminal syndicates. One of the characters there is a Faleen. I do not know if that is Prince Shizor or not. In my head it is, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. To this point, we do not know the name of that character. It would be fairly easy to make other characters canon. Dash Rendar would be easy to make canon. He's a smuggler. He's a gun for hire. You could easily see him in a book about smugglers, a television show like The Mandalorian or The Book of Boba Fett, and you could put that character in any part of the timeline. The human replica droid Guri, I could see in canon. I think that would most likely be something that the Empire makes. I mean, we already know that the Empire has made dark trooper droids from the Mandalorian. Who's to say they did not make human replica droids? Or that they would not make human replica droids? So, there is plenty in Shadows of the Empire that could be made canon. Just not the story as a whole. A few quick things here at the end. You guys obviously have heard I pronounce it Prince Shizor. That is one thing that some people disagree with the pronunciation of that character's name. 
Some people call him Prince Zizor. I grew up calling him Shizor. I never listened to the audiobook where I believe that's where he was called Zizor, and I think that's where most people who call him that get that name from. But personally, I think you just pronounce names the way you want to pronounce them. If you want to pronounce it Shizor like me, fine. If you want to pronounce it Zizor like the others, cool. Pronounce it however you want to pronounce it. And finally, just one little quirky thing. For those of you that follow the Star Wars Legends Lounge on Twitter, you guys would have seen the tweet that I put out about a week ago of another real-world reference that bled into Star Wars. These are just little quirky things that make me laugh. You know, they don't really work. They shouldn't be there. But it's nothing major. When Chewbacca is going undercover, he dyes part of his fur black, a mottled black, including black around his eyes. And when Leia looks at it, she thinks that his face now looks raccoon-like. And that just makes me laugh. They have raccoons, apparently, in a galaxy far, far away. Of course, we know they don't. But it's one of those references that always makes you giggle. Well, it's time to wrap up. On the next episode of the podcast, I'll be reviewing the Legends book that started it all, Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster. What a way to finish up the first season of the podcast. I hope you all join me on December 17th. Until then, if you'd like to get in contact with the show, please email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Ask me a question, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. Remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends.